Verse 33, it says this. One day some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly, so why don't the disciples that, and so do the disciples with the Pharisees. Why are your disciples eating and drinking? Okay, when I read the Bible, I think of voices, okay? I promise you, like, there's so much going on in my brain, like, all the time when I read the Bible, okay? And I just see these whiny people, you know, talking to Jesus about why the disciples aren't fasting. In verse 34, Jesus responds, do the wedding guests fast while they're celebrating the groom? Of course not. They don't. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Verse 36, Jesus gives them an illustration. He says, no one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For the new garment would be ruined, and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. Can you say, duh, to your neighbor? Like, yeah, like, duh. Like, come on, all right? Verse 37, no one puts new wine into an old wineskin. And you got to understand the time that Jesus is talking about, they would have wineskins made of different animals, oxen, and uh, they would pour fresh wine, and then the wine would go into the wineskin, and the wineskin would be stretched out, and over time, they would be so stretched out that if you put new wine into it, it would eventually burst. So Jesus says, you put, no one puts, uh, no one puts new wine into an old wineskin, for the new wine would burst the wineskin, spilling out and ruining the skin. Verse 38, new wine must be stored in a new wineskin. Verse 39, but no one who drinks old wine seems to want new. Isn't that interesting? He says, no one that drinks the old wine, what's he relating to? He's talking about the religious law. He's talking about the traditions and the ways that the Jewish people were raised up and living in. And they loved their customs and they loved their traditions and they loved the way that they thought that they were living a religious life. And we talk about this all the time. We are so not interested in living a religious life. We are so interested in you finding a vibrant, real relationship with Jesus because that's what really, truly matters in this life. Uh, the old is just fine, they say. You know, growing up, um, I don't know about you, but I had a lot of hand-me-downs. Anybody hand-me-downs, you know, growing up, okay? And I had a zillion uh, cousins, and I feel like I had hand-me-down shoes, hand-me-down clothes. We didn't have a lot of money growing up, and so it was kind of like, you know, somebody would drop off like a black bag, trash bag, you know, and then you're like starting to sort through it all. And, and to be honest with you, I hated everything, okay? I didn't like any of the hand-me-downs, hand okay? Not one of them. To be honest with you, I would have rather gone to school naked, okay? And I mean, that was like a real option in my soul. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'd go to school naked. I'm pretty comfortable with myself because I don't like hand-me-downs. I remember one time my cousin had a pair of Air Jordan 6s. They were the ones he won the first championship in, and they were black, and they had the two holes in the tongue, and I really wanted a pair, and there was no chance that I was ever getting in a pair of shoes like that, like for me, when basketball season came around, it was like straight up starter shoes, okay? Anybody remember starter shoes, you know, like Kmart blue light special, you know? And, and so I remember like, I guess he grew out of them because he was a giant. I mean, I mean, he was literally the biggest person I ever knew and his feet grew really fast. And I remember they gave him 
to me. And part of me was kind of excited because I was like, okay, these are some Jordans. And, you know, who gives Jordans away or hands them down? Pretty much nobody. But I remember I got them, and I just remember, like, I grabbed them, and the worst, most awful smell ever came from these shoes. And I was like, ooh, ooh. You know, and, and this is like, and this is my son, Michael, okay? Don't ever get by him when he's taking his shoes off. You might pass out, you might die, I promise you, okay? His feet are the worst smelling things on planet Earth. Needless to say, I like and enjoy new, and I like new things, and I'm kind of the king of deals. But, you know, growing up, I didn't want hand-me-downs. I remember one winter, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to work hard because I really want to buy some J's. And so, you know, growing up in the Chicago area, it snows a lot. And so I went, you know, around the neighborhood, knocked on doors. Hey, can I shovel your driveway? You know, can I make 15 bucks? Can I make 20 bucks? And so worked really, really hard. And I remember this, this one lady, like, you know how, like, at the end of the driveway, like, it'll get, like, icy and slushy and it's just nasty. She made me shovel, like, the end of the driveway into the street even. But I was like, I'm good with this. I'm making money. I'm going to buy some brand new J's. And so I made enough money, bought some J's, okay? And I mean, I'm just living on cloud nine. And so, um, go over to my aunt and uncle's house on a Friday night, see my cousins, hang out with them. And at my aunt and uncle's house, they had eight cats, okay? Eight cats. Doesn't that just sound terrible, okay? okay? And so I'm over at my aunt and uncle's house, and I have my shoes, and one of the eight cats decides to spray on my brand new J's, okay? My brand new J's, okay? Spray, like mark their territory, okay? Listen. I am bitter to this day, okay? I still hate cats. I believe that cats were a part of the fall of man, is a part of the curse that we are dealing with now. If you love cats, I'm sorry. I will run them over if they are in my way. I will pause for a rabbit. I will run a cat over, okay? No joke. So obviously, shoes are a big deal to me, okay? So a couple weeks ago, Ryan Erdl saw me in these, uh, these buttes, little Air Jordan 3s, okay? And uh, I know he's not here today, but that's okay. Uh, he, said, he said, how do you keep these things so clean? He's like, are these brand new? And I was like, no, these aren't actually brand new. And he's like, well, you know, what do you do with your shoes? I'm like, I literally, like, wear my shoes to preach in, and then, like, I go home, like, wipe them down, scrub them down, and then, like, I literally put them back into the box, because the reality is this, I have great care and concern and value for my shoes, probably because of the way I grew up. I didn't have a lot. So now when I have something, I have great respect for those things. Now, I wouldn't take my shoes, this is, this is one of the bins, one of the carriers from the trailer we have out back, where we store, you know, all of our kids' stuff and everything. And, and a lot of times these things, like, I can look in there right now, and there's like, uh, I mean, there's just all kinds of dirtiness in there right now, to be honest. There's like, there's like nastiness. And I, like, I would never take my J's and throw them in this container, okay? I know you're all looking at me like, really? Like, what is wrong with you? We're going to pray for you after church. There is something wrong with our pastor. And the reason is because I value these shoes, 
Okay, so what, what's the point of what I'm talking about, okay? Whatever we value and have great meaning in, we would store it in a canoe container so that it stays nice and it stays fresh. And Jesus is kind of talking about this. He's going, listen, I got something brand new for you. But we're going to have to put it in a new container. Because the old container can't handle the new thing that I want to do. And this happens all the time in church life because we grow up with traditions. We grow up with certain ways that we grew up in our households or a different church that we went to growing up. And we have this view of who God is. And a lot of times it doesn't biblically match up with what the word of God says, who Jesus is. And so Jesus says sometimes, hey, I got to do something new. So in Luke chapter 5, Jesus and the Holy Spirit is really kind of setting us up, priming us, whetting our appetite for what God is going to do next. With that uh, said, look under your seat. There's a cup under your seat, okay? All right, there's a cup under your seat. Now there's a piece of candy. You can eat that candy right now, okay? Eat that candy. I know, aren't you so pumped right now? Listen, it is children's church all over, 2018 and big church, okay? You can eat it, okay? Now, I bought fun-sized candy on purpose because the reality is, like, I don't know about you. When I went trick-or-treating growing up, dude, I went to the neighborhoods that gave out full-size candy bars. Like, I wanted, like, the real deal. I didn't want the little piece because the little piece is, like, it's just a little appetizer. It's just, like, it's getting you ready for like the big entree. And this is what God is doing in Luke chapter five to take us to Luke chapter six. Go with me to Luke chapter six, okay? Verse 20, Jesus preaches this amazing message that is completely rocking my life right now. Then Jesus turned to the disciples and he said, God blesses those who are poor for the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses those who are hungry now, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who weep now. In due time, they will laugh. What a blessing waits for the people who have hated and excluded and mocked you and cursed you as evil because you follow the Son of Man. Verse 23. What, when that happens, be happy. It says, yes, leap for joy. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. Remember, your ancestors treated the ancient prophets the same way. What is God saying to us right there? You know, like, what is God, like, is he, like, saying, like, hey, it's just better to be poor? Like, should we just, like, give all of our money and all of our things away and just live on the streets and be poor? Is that really what God is communicating to us? I really believe what God's communicating to us is this, that God blesses those who acknowledge their weaknesses and adequacies and go, God, I need you. Without you, I can't do life. See, the value system of the kingdom of God, and you got to understand, if you're here today and you're loving Jesus and you're trying to follow Jesus, his value system is very different than the value system that we grow up in in life. It's very different than America. It's very different than the homes we grew up in. So Jesus said, when you are poor in spirit, saying, God, I'm so thankful for fresh grace every day, right? 
I know I am. I know when I wake up in the morning, I'm just thankful for the grace that he's given me that day. Because I know 100%, I don't deserve his grace and mercy. Because I do a lot of dumb stuff. I don't know about you, but I do. And I'm super grateful for his grace. And so I want to be in a place that my spirit goes, Jesus, I need more of you. I need more of your presence. I need more of your spirit. Verse 24, what sorrow awaits those who are rich, for you have only happiness now. What sorrow awaits those who are fat and prosperous now for a time of awful hunger awaits. What sorrow awaits for those who laugh now for your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. What sorrow awaits those who are praised by the crowds for their ancestors also praise false prophets. God is saying, listen, those who humble themselves and trust me, my grace abounds to them. Listen, I know there's times in life, and I remember as a youth pastor, I dealt with this all the time. Students would go, listen, these people don't love Jesus. These people don't serve the kingdom of God. These people do whatever they want to do, and they're blessed. What do you say to that, Pastor Jeff? I go, yeah, I understand they're blessed now, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be blessed for eternity. And I think we are so short-sighted in life when we sometimes compare and contrast our lives to other people's lives. And we go, God, I'm working so hard for your kingdom. And it looks like these people who are not working hard for your kingdom don't love your kingdom. They're getting ahead in life. But where is my moment and where is my time? And God, why is this not fair? Right? And we get frustrated and we get upset and God's going, listen, son, daughter, I need you to see your life as not a moment, but through the lineage of eternity. There's a time where there be people that will be blessed on this earth, but they will be humbled someday. Their knee will bow. They will stand before Jesus. They will give an account for their life. We have to figure out, are we going to put our trust in money? Are we going to put our trust in intellect? Are we going to put our trust in my ability to manipulate people and change people's thoughts and opinions about life? Or am I going to trust the Lord? Am I going to humble myself and be dependent upon God's grace? I've been praying this new prayer every morning. I've been saying this. I, I say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my day. I want you to lead the impressions in my heart, the thoughts in my mind, and how I see people today. I welcome you to be a part of my day. Something incredibly powerful when you humble yourself and you go, Holy Spirit, I really need you. I need your help in this life. Verse 27, but to you who are willing to listen, so obviously there's some people that are listening to Jesus and they're like, this guy's a crazy man. What the heck is he talking about? And so Jesus goes, for those who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. And you're like, H to the no right now, if we're all being really honest right now in our souls. We're like, okay, the rest of it's pretty good, but at that point, you're like, no, 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 no. I ain't got no love for people that be hating on me and my family, right? And the crazy thing is about church is we go, man, we love people. Man, we want to care for the lost. 
man, we really care about me, all my neighbors and my friends. And, but the question is, do we really love people? Or do we really just love the people who agree with us? Right? Do we just love the people that have the same political views as we do? Or the people that, you know, agree with everything that we agree with about life? Do we really love people? Because Jesus is going, I need you to pray for people that you don't like. And I need you to love them. And I need you to care for them. And I need you to be kind to them. And I need you to be compassionate for them. Verse 29, if someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other one also. I'm like, I'm going to offer you my fist. That's what I'm going to offer you. If someone demands your coat, offer them a shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken from you, don't try to get them back. Look at your neighbor and say, you're killing me, Smalls. Just say, you're killing me, Smalls, you know? Like, for real? Is this for real? Like, who wrote this? You know, we're all like, man, Jesus definitely didn't say this. Some other prophet said this. No, this is, this is Jesus. Verse 31, do to others as you would like them to do to you. We just talk about loving people and giving people respect and honor even when they don't deserve it because God loves them. I'll never forget the story that I heard. There was, a, I went to a really major conference and the second in, in charge at Walt Disney World was there. He was an older gentleman. I think he was around 82 years old, super, super nice guy. And he told the story that one day he was with some of the associates of Disney and they're walking through the park and uh, they're kind of assessing how things are happening in the park. And, and there was a janitor that was working and this woman came up to just say hi. And some of the executives kind of like stepped in front of her, kind of pushed her away and were trying to keep her back from having an opportunity uh, of her saying hi to this gentleman. He said, wait, no, 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 no. I would love to talk to her. And so he breaks away from all the other like CEOs and presidents and he walks over and he talks to this lady that is a janitor and greets her and talks to her for about 10 minutes. Long story short, the guys who stepped in front of her were then fired the very next day because the second in charge of Walt Disney said, every person has value in this world. Every person should be treated with honor and respect. Even though they're a janitor, they're a child of the Most High. This is actually a believer. And he's second in control of Walt Disney World. Let's treat people with honor and respect and love. Verse 35 says, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward in heaven will be great. And you will be truly acting like a child of the Most High. That's who you're called to be today. You know that? And this is what's kicking my butt right now. I'm not called to be Jeff Workmeister. I'm called to be a child of the Most High. I'm called to represent the kingdom of God no matter where I go. If it's a gas station, if it's my boys' basketball practice, if I go to Meyer, if I'm here at church, no matter where I go in this life, I'm called to be a child of the Most High and represent the kingdom of God. Verse 36, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Don't judge others 
and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Can I just pause for a second and tell you that some of your breakthroughs that you're looking for with the Lord are attached to forgiveness. And if you'll forgive a person that you've been holding back forgiveness, you will find breakthrough. God's just waiting for you to release grace. Okay? God's going, I can't release the grace and the blessing until you release grace and blessing too. Verse 38, give and you will receive. Give, you will return in full, pressed down, shaken together, making room, running over, poured down into your lap. The amount you give determines the amount that will come back to you. What is Jesus really saying to us in the Beatitudes? I mean, he goes on and on. I mean, I didn't even do the whole Beatitudes. He goes on and starts talking about judging other people and making sure that, you know, if you're looking at somebody's speck in somebody else's eye and, and judging their life, look at your own life and pull the log out of your own eye. And, 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 and the Beatitudes are so incredible. But what is Jesus really saying to us, I believe, is this. And point number one is this. Jesus saying, I'm really concerned with you, and I'm really concerned with putting character and integrity in you. That's what he's concerned with. That you become a man and woman of God that has character and integrity that doesn't look like the character and the integrity of this world, but looks like the character and the integrity of the kingdom of God. Because God's value system is so incredibly different than the way that we see life. Yes, God wanted Moses and Joseph and Daniel blessed. All these, you know, young men. Think about the story of Joseph. You know, gets thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, goes to work for Potiphar, gets thrown into prison. All in the time that before all this happened, God had spoke to him and said, I have great plans for your life. So what was God doing with Moses and Joseph and Daniel? God wanted to make sure that they had character and integrity so that when the time came for God to elevate them, that they could stand with God's character and integrity. Now, I think a lot of times in life, I believe this, that we don't have all that God has for us because God's going, I'm trying to work in your life and I'm trying to work in your soul. And you just want to tap out. You don't like it because it feels uncomfortable. You don't like it because it doesn't look like your neighbors or your friends or the people on social media. But I'm doing a deep work inside of you, getting you ready for something great. If you'll just hold on and trust me. I know this isn't comfortable. But I'm trying to build love in you and remove pride at the same time. You ever had a moment where you're like, man, God is removing some pride in my heart right now. We had prayer the other night, and I told this story. It was last week I was at my son's basketball practice, and, you know, they're both having practice on the same time. So I'm there for like three hours uh, when we go on a Monday night and a Wednesday night. And most of the time I'm tired and I'm just worn out from the week, and, and um and so a lot of times I'll get my phone and I'll put in my, you know, headphones and I'll throw on a podcast or, you know, something I enjoy to listen to. And I'll just kind of like sit to the side and zone out and be like total antisocial. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? 
And so the other night, I'm like sitting there and I'm like listening to a podcast uh, from Judah Smith and I'm just kind of in my own world. And there's this young man that uh, is at every practice also. And I kind of just walk by and say hi to him and go and do my own thing. And I'm sitting there by myself zoning out and the Holy Spirit was so loud. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm listening to a podcast, you know? I'm relaxing, having some me time. He goes, you see that guy that you see every single time you walk into practice, you walk into these games? He's like, get up, go sit next to him, make a relationship. What's God doing? He's killing pride. He's killing ego. So I get up, I get a drink of water, I go sit down, and I meet Malik, and I meet his wife, And all of a sudden I realized, now I know why God wanted me to come over here. Because Malik and his wife and his kids need Jesus. And they need me. And I'm their connection to Jesus. I'm at the right place at the right time. But i got to remove some pride right now. Because my pride wants to just zone out and do whatever I want to do. But the Holy Spirit has a different agenda for my life. And the Holy Spirit has a different agenda for your life sometimes. See, God is working in us to go, I need you to need me. See, there's so many of us, we live such a good life that I think a lot of us go, well, what do I need grace for? What do I need the Holy Spirit for? Like our dependence for Jesus isn't real deep. It's kind of just a little shallow because we have a good life and we live a good life. God's trying to do something deep in us. He's going, listen, I got a new thing to do in your life. I want to do a new work in your soul. There's so much more I want to do in you and through you. But I can't work in this old system. I can't work with this old wineskin. I need something new. I need something fresh to work with. Point number two is this. I believe God is looking for new containers. God's looking for new containers. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I believe that every Sunday, the eyes of the earth are roaming the earth going, show me a body, show me a church that has my heart. Show me a church that is focused on me. Show me a church that's willing to take a moment and stop life and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Lord is looking on a daily basis through the earth. Whose hearts are mine? Who can I pour my grace and my spirit and my love into their heart and soul? Worship team, you guys can come up. If you got that cup, I want you to grab that cup real quick. Okay? So we got Jesus here, okay? Jesus is a bunch of water, okay? He's a whole lot of water. He's a whole lot of spirit. He's a whole lot of truth. He's a whole lot of grace. He's a whole lot of love. He's a whole lot of peace. He's a whole lot of water, okay? But sometimes, sometimes, here, you three, come on up here real quick. Yeah, you three, come here, okay? Sometimes in this life,
we, we come to church with our container and our container looks like this, right? So here, hold this right here, Adam. So Jesus comes. goes, Adam, I love you. Do you see all that I have for you right now? You brought me this little container, this old wineskin, and I want to pour so much into you. But we come to church and we just go, I just want this much, Jesus. I'm really only interested in this much. It's just another Sunday. I'm really just kind of doing my religious thing. I'm just kind of doing my church thing. Just want to make sure my kids are in church, doing the right thing, right? Really not interested in too much. So Jesus, you know, here we go. And Jesus is going, no, I have something new that I want to do in you, but I can't because look at this container. And so, you know, and then Elena comes to church. And so she, you know, she has her container, but her container is just a little bit bigger, you know, and Jesus starts pouring out and he's like, He's like, oh, no, 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 no. And he's like, listen, I want to pour out, but I'm not going to waste what I have to give either. Can we just be honest for a second? Like God wants to do incredible things in your soul, in your family, in your life. But he understands what you're bringing. And sometimes it's just, it's like it's a little bit bigger. Maybe this Sunday I could do a little bit more. And then, you know, Anna comes and Anna's like, I guess she's like super Christian. You know what I mean? And she just like super loves you. I mean, she's like, I mean, so holy. Even with the nose ring, so holy, right? You know, tattoo too. I mean, doing it for Jesus, right? Okay. You know, so she she has her cup and, you know, and Jesus starts, you know, pouring out. He's like, yeah, look at this. We're pouring. We're pouring. And then he's like, no. You know, this is like that moment in worship. We get to that moment in worship. And you just feel, you feel the Holy Spirit going, oh, I just want to, I want it to be like a river from heaven. Just a river of heaven coming down. And we're like, man, that's enough, Jesus. That's good. And the reality is this. Jesus goes, I want big containers. I'm looking for big containers. I'm looking for people that will go, you just keep pouring, Jesus. You pour and you pour and you pour and you pour. See, the way that the presence of God is supposed to work is that he just pours and he pours and he pours and he can keep pouring because why? We're just giving out all the time. See, we think that church is all about us, right? 
Sunday morning, it's about me. No, it's about God going, I'm gonna pour into you and then I'm gonna have you release it on Monday and then Monday night, I'm gonna pour back into you. And then on Tuesday, you're gonna release some into your family, into your life, into your friends and then guess what? I'm gonna pour some more out on you on Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. And God goes, I want big containers and I can just keep pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring. No end to my grace, no end to my love, no end to my mercy, no end to what the Holy Spirit wants to do, no end. There is no end. God goes, I'm gonna keep pouring and pouring and I'm gonna keep taking you to new levels and new levels and new places and new places and it's never, ever, ever gonna end because you're a big enough container to take all of me in. Amen? That's what Jesus wants to do in our souls. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Why don't you stand up this morning? Now, I want to say this. For me, growing up, we talked about fresh wine. My church growing up thought, man, this is going to, it's all about a good service, right? Because what is fresh wine, okay? Is it a moment? Is it a service? Is it a time? And sometimes those are those moments. Like tonight is gonna be an incredible night in the presence of God. I'm so excited to have Abner here. I'm so blessed to have Abner here. I'm so excited to just come and to worship and just allow the Holy Spirit to do and go wherever he wants. And sometimes those are divine moments. Those are rhema moments that we need in our soul that come directly from heaven. And I believe 110% that there are things inside of Abner that you need for your next season of life. I believe in those moments. But what is really the fresh wine that God wants to pour into us? I believe it's this. He wants to pour his truth into you. That's what the Beatitudes is. It's the truth of heaven. It's the truth of the kingdom of God. And it looks different than the truth and the realities that we live in this life. And God goes, I want to grow you in faith and trust faithfulness, love. I want you to look like me. I want this container, you, to look, smell, act like me. When you go to work, I want to go to work. When you go home to see your wife, I want to go home to see your wife. When you play with your kids and your grandkids, I want to play with your kids and your grandkids. I want to go wherever you go because I want to fill you up with my spirit so that you can be all things to all men at all times, be ready in season, out of season, ready to be what people need. Amen? We all have Maliks. We all have Maliks that need you. They need you. Jesus needs you. She you close your eyes, come on, we're just gonna sing this out today.